Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to church this morning. It is so good to be with you as always. If one, if some of you don't know who I am, if you're tuning in for the first or second time, my name is Megan Fondren. And as always, it's an honor and a privilege to bring you the Sunday morning message. And if you are checking us out for the first or second time, or if you've been with us all along, I have been praying that you are ready to receive the word that God has for you today. And you are ready to receive the breakthrough that he already one for you. And if you've been wondering where Pastor Tim has been, he is taking a nice long sabbatical for lots of rest and relaxation that he well deserves for just serving the kingdom so much. And next week is his first week back. We are so, so excited. So if you are checking us out for the first or second time, tune in next week too to hear our lead pastor because you will not be disappointed. Well, like I said, I'm so excited to bring you the message this morning. So let's dive right in by starting with prayer. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for God being amazing and for being a father and, and loving us better than any earthly father could. God, help us to understand that heart of yours just a little bit more today and every day and teach us to walk in our identity in you. Teach us to unlock the blessings that being a child of the creator of the universe holds for us, God. And, and as always, I just pray that the word that you have given me will go forth and accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you have sent it. And God, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation for each and every one of us today so that we may know you more and the hope to which you have called us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I hope you have been enjoying this series that we've been in the last several weeks entitled Why? Because no matter your spiritual maturity level, this whole series has been designed so that you can draw closer to God. Because it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, the wonderful thing about our Heavenly Father is that there's always more to learn about Him and there's always ways to get closer to Him. And when the Bible tells us when we draw close to God, He is going to draw close to us. So this last several weeks, we've taken time to talk about why, you know, and we talked about why we go to church, why we evangelize, why we dig wells, why we plant seeds, why we read the word. And then last week, Pastor Bob gave us a message and inspired us on why we worship. And I want to continue and finish off this series by bringing up another topic of um, just importance for our Christian faith, because this is one that when we are obedient in it, we unlock blessings like in no way that any other kind of um, you know, obedience can, you know, we always, when we're walking in obedience with God, we obtain his blessings. But this particular um, topic is just so vital and so overlooked at so many times. So I want to have a discussion today on why we give. And, and the, the topic of giving is such a taboo and touchy topic of public discussion because it, it's so offensive to so many people for some reason. And honestly, I remember my dad being one of those people before he started walking in his faith with Jesus. And the thing about my dad is he didn't come to know Christ until he was around 60 years old. And I just want to take a second and, and briefly share this testimony about my dad with you because it's pretty amazing. When I was about seven years old is when I gave my heart to Jesus. And of course we learned how Jesus loves us all and he came to die for every single one of us. And so we were learning that we were supposed to share this love of Jesus with other people so that other people could get saved. 
And so during this time of my life, our Sunday school teacher was encouraging us and she was doing this object lesson at the time on how God is faithful in answering prayer. So this object lesson entailed us writing down a prayer request on just a little three by five index card. And then we were supposed to hang it from a clothesline that was hanging from the kids' church ceiling at the time. And we were just supposed to hang it from there with a clothespin. And so my prayer request was for my dad to get saved. And so I hung it up and the point of this object lesson was that week after week, as God was faithfully answering prayer, we were supposed to take down our index card and we would see like tangibly see how God was faithful in answering prayer. Well, my index card stayed up there for years and, and then decades went by. And, you know, I talked to my dad about Jesus. I invited him to church. I preached at him. I argued theology with him. And of course, when that didn't work, you know, I, I basically gave it to God when, when I realized that what I was trying to do, when I, how I was trying to do it my own way wasn't working, I simply put it on Jesus's shoulders and I just took the gospel and preached it in a way that my dad would receive, which was simply living the life that Jesus asked me to live, walking the walk and talking the talk. And eventually when I was about 30 years old, my dad finally started coming to church pretty regularly. But the funny thing about this was my dad would sneak in after everybody was already seated. He would not sit down. He would just stand in the back, listen to the message. And at this particular church we were at at the time, the tithes and the offerings were taken towards the end of service. So when our giving time started, my dad would sneak out every single week. But the thing about my dad was that even though he was faithful in sneaking out during our giving week after week, he was faithful in showing up for the message week after week. And the amazing thing, my dad, when um, he was about 60 years old, he was diagnosed with an eight centimeter lung mass and then he passed away 18 days later. But on his literal deathbed is when he finally gave his heart to Jesus. And I now know without a shadow of a doubt that he is dancing on the streets of heaven with our savior and I will see him again someday soon. And even though it took 30 years, for my prayer request to be answered, God is never late and he is never early. And while I would love to go back to that church and take down that card off the clothesline, I'm sure it's long gone by now. That's okay because I know where my dad is and now I have this amazing testimony to share with people. But anyway, the, the reason that I wanted to share this story, the point that I wanted to make was this. When I asked my dad why he always left during the giving time of our, our church service, he would just get in this rage and he would start screaming at me about how ridiculous it is and how unacceptable it should be for a church to even have the audacity to ask for money. And if God is so powerful, why would he need our money anyway? But you see, my dad was missing the big picture. And I believe that the people who get so upset about giving to the church, they're missing God's heart because giving is in no way, shape or form about a religion. And there's, I can guarantee you that God does not need your money. And, and I believe that this spirit of offense that people get when we talk about money and the church, I believe that spirit of offense is straight from hell itself because the Bible is very clear that we are commanded to give. But the amazing thing about our father is he never gives a command without a blessing attached to it. When God gives a command, yes, we are supposed to obediently follow it, 
but he doesn't just do it to be cruel and mean, just to be bossy. He does it because there's an intention behind it, because he knows it's going to be good for us and it's going to bring us life and peace and blessing that nothing else could. And that's why I believe that the enemy loves to make giving such a controversial topic because if he can stir that spirit of offense or, or um, discord or resentment or anger or shame or guilt, if he can stir that up in someone's heart, then he's done his job for the day because he is keeping us back from unlocking even more blessing, even more power, even more breakthrough that God intends for us to have in our lives. And so may our hearts be ready to receive God's truth today because Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's in John 18, 31 through 32. So let's dig into God's word today and see what he has to say about our giving, starting with our memory verse, which is found in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. And it says this, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So in my Bible, this section is actually titled Generosity and Courage, and, and I love that because if the Bible says we should give, there's going to be a reason behind this instruction. And I love that about God. So what does giving actually entail? Is it strictly money? No, no, of course not. You know, the, the word to give in Hebrew is yaheb, which is translated into set, to put into the proper place, to provide, or to enable. And in the book Generosity, giving is described as much more than a money issue. The book says that it is a mindset for a code of conduct for a person. And this is especially important for a Christ follower. So this type of giving in its simplest terms includes our time, our talents, and our resources, which would be our money. So why give? You know, I want to take the take a look at the secular point of view about the motivation behind why most people give because it's important for us to understand later on. So while researching you know, various things for today's message, I came across this research company that digs into the psychology behind the motivation of why people give. And the whole purpose of this research company is to help other companies you know, fundraise or get people to stand behind them and, and give money to support their cause. So according to this company, people give for eight main reasons, and I want to highlight just four of them today. So number one, people give because of personal values and a sense of morality. So it's the right thing to do. And this company says 96% of people gave to charity as they felt a sense of duty to give back to society and tackle inequality using their own good fortune to help others. So this sounds familiar, right? We're at the grocery store, we're checking out, you put your card in the card reader and there's a little message on there that says, would you like to round up to the next dollar for such and such a charity? And of course, most of us do because we feel like jerks if we say no. 
but sometimes, you know, it's put on there on purpose so that we can secretly say no. <laughs> but anyway, most of us say yes because we feel that sense of duty, that it's the right thing to do, that yes, we can donate three extra cents or whatever to this cause because we need to be a contributing uh, member of society. So that's an example of that. Number two, people give because of a belief in a specific cause. And this research company says 75% of donors gave to a cause they could identify with or felt passionately about the influence they're giving. So if you're an animal lover, you'd be more um, compelled to give to PETA or those Sarah McLaughlin commercials. They would stir your heart, make you cry like I do every single time one of those comes on. And you would be more inclined to support, you know, stopping animal cruelty, something like that. Number three, people give because of personal experience. And again, this company says 61% of people spoke of personal life-changing experiences that sparked their giving. So an example of this would be if a loved one is a breast cancer survivor or has been diagnosed with some sort of chronic illness, this means you're going to be more motivated to give to that cause because you can personally relate. And number four, people give because of faith and religion. And this company says that 71% of donors pointed to their religious values as a key motivation for their giving. And I think we as Christians can identify with this definitely because as Christians, we are supposed to be recognized for our love and, and giving is part of how we express Christ's love to others. So not only did I find this research company here, I also did a little digging and Cleveland Clinic did a scientific study on what happens to us physically and mentally when we give. And according to Cleveland Clinic, giving has been shown to lower blood pressure, lower stress levels, lower depression. Giving has been shown to increase self-esteem, lead you to have a longer life and cause greater happiness and life satisfaction. But the reason for me quickly examining the secular point of view behind people's giving is because it sounds familiar, right? Us as Christ followers, we can relate to every single one of these because these are all very legitimate reasons to give. I mean, they all sound amazing and, and that's why we give as well. But I want to examine what the Bible has to say about giving. So number one, it's expected. In Matthew 6, 2, Jesus says, when you give not if you give. So this goes along with the, what the research company said about it being our duty our, and our morality. It's the right thing to do. So we, and then number two, we give as Christians because we have a belief in a cause. And we have been, we as Christians give because we are mimicking God's generosity towards us. We are all in for this cause that he paid the ultimate price for. And so we now get to carry on this mission to others. And this is found in 1 John 4, 19, when it says we love because he first loved us. Number three, we give because of personal experience because of the personal transformation we've experienced when we receive Christ as our savior, his self-sacrifice or his self-giving now becomes our standard of giving. And this is found in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, when it says Christ was rich, yet became poor for my sake so that I might be rich. And number four, we give because of faith and religion, but we all know that for us, this is not about religion. This is about a relationship. And when we do what God's word says, and his word says to bring the whole tithes into the storehouse and to give generously with a cheerful heart, 
When we do what God asks us to do, we are blessed in all that we do. And you can find that in James 1.25. But not only does those four points correlate with the four points from that research company, but the Bible also proves that what the Cleveland Clinic tried to think was their own original research, it proves that giving is good for our health as well. When we follow biblical principles, God's word says that we will live long and prosperous lives. And you can find that in Deuteronomy 5 and in Deuteronomy 28, as far as many other areas in the Bible. So I find it interesting that these parallels with the secular view and, and the biblical view even exist. I think they're pretty good. And I, I find it fascinating that they exist in the first place because this just proves to me that there is something wired in all humanity. You know, something that is a piece of our very essence and existence. And this proves to me that there is this longing and this innate knowing in each and every one of us that there is more to life than just us. And that more is Jesus. And even in our giving, we are honoring him and doing kingdom work. So for me, the fact that, that the world even practices biblical principles, whether they realize they're doing it or not, this just is evidence to me that there is a God who set a certain thing, a certain order into motion that we are meant to follow because it brings God glory and honor first and foremost, but it brings us life and blessing. So I want to cover three main reasons why we as Christians should be giving. And number one is we are stewards, not owners. Psalm 24, 1 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And stewardship is one of the most basic biblical principles, yet it's one that is so overlooked, it's, it's forgotten about a lot, or it's misunderstood. And when that happens, we are missing out on so much blessing. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. We're given the things that we have. In James 1.17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. And as Jesus teaches over and over in his word, anytime that we are given something, we are supposed to be using it to honor God. Take the parable of the talents that Jesus talked about. You can find that story in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. We all know how the story goes that this master, this, this owner of tons of stuff, he was very, very rich. He was going off on a long journey and he put his possessions into the hands of three of his servants. You know, he wanted these servants to take good care of his stuff. He wanted them to use it to bring him honor and glory. So as the master comes home, we know how the story goes, where the first two, two servants, they did a great job. They actually doubled what the master gave to them. And so the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little. You are now going to be trusted with much. Come and share in your master's happiness. And how many of us are so excited for the day that we get to hear that from our master? So exciting. But the story goes on to say that that last servant that was a foolish servant and he didn't do anything with the master's money but he, he kept it you know he he didn't spend it frivolously he didn't lose it he didn't just give it to some random person it was still there it was still in the same state that the master left it in but yet the bible tells us that that servant was wicked and lazy you know that servant stoked his master's anger and he was cast away and I used to think that this was an unfair story in the Bible because the master was never specific on what he wanted his servants to do with what he had given him. 
But as I grow more in Jesus, as I learn more about our Father, I realize that not using what He has given is just as bad as wasting it away. The Bible tells us in James 4.17, 4, He who knows to do good and does it not, to him that is sin. So when we know that we're supposed to be doing something good and we don't do it, that is sin, just as much as going out and stealing something. So when it comes to our earthly possessions and what we're seeking after and what we're doing with these things, whether it be our time, our talent, or our resources, remember they're not your own and God desires to use what he has given us. Which brings me to point number two on why we give. Acts 20, 35, Jesus tells us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And blessed in the Greek here, and, and this particular passage would have originally been written in Greek, so this version of blessed here in Greek is markarion, which means happy, prosperous. And in this particular instance, when God blesses us, it means he extends his benefits to us. So what do we gain? First of all, we're going to gain another tool in our tool belt to grow our faith, get closer to God, show our love for him, be able to receive, receive his love better, you know, show our obedience to him. It also allows us to unlock more power and peace and, and breakthrough in our lives as well. Luke 6.38 says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. But this thing here, this, this is a supernatural promise of blessing, of prosperity, of greater extension of God's benefit, of, of happiness that isn't dependent on the world's perspective or on your circumstances. And I emphasize supernatural blessing because there is no natural phenomenon that could ever explain what happens to you when you are faithful in your giving. The things that will happen just don't make sense in the natural realm. In the natural realm. So test God in this. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And God is faithful when he says what he says in his word. He's faithful when it says it is more blessed to give than to receive. He is faithful when he says that he is going to pour open the, or open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing you won't even be able to contain it but you've got to actually do the giving part. Luke 16, 10 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy with handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And perhaps the best part about our giving is that it blesses others. It changes others. It witnesses to others and it shows what obedience looks like and what real love looks like and it makes an eternal impact in another's life. And maybe you think that your giving is so insignificant that there's no way that it's ever going to make an eternal impact. But let me read to you what my God says about that. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power, 
that is at work within us. So his power is at work within us. His power is engaged when we move, even in our giving, even in our finances. To him be the glory. So finally, number three, why give? To show our trust, our obedience, and our faithfulness to God. When we're faithful in our giving, it shows our love by the fact that we are being obedient. And it proves where our true treasure lies. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, do not store up for yourselves on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And our giving, when we're faithful in it, it proves who our master is. Luke 16, 13, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then Luke 14, 33 says, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Because all that you have is from him anyway. So you don't need to hold on to it for dear life as though your life depends on it. Give it up to him and you will truly be his disciple. So we've covered the why giving part. Now I want to spend just a little time, you know, what exactly does giving mean? Because remember, this isn't just about money. We're talking about time, talents, and resources. So what does giving your time look like? Well, I just want to give you a few examples here. You could be, you could volunteer. You could volunteer in your community. You can volunteer in the schools. God knows we need more of his presence in our schools right now. So parents, if you can get, if parents, grandparents, anybody really who can volunteer in the schools, if you can get in there and show up with carrying God's presence, pray over that school, pray over the children. You don't have to do it publicly or out loud. The power is still there. I mean, that's great. That is using your time for God's glory for sure. You could volunteer at church. You could volunteer with at work or, or helping your friends or your family. Other ways that you could give your time is committing to the church. You could show up every Sunday morning for Sunday services. You could sign up for a life group or a Bible study and show up uh, faithfully and, and submit your time and sacrifice your time for God's kingdom. Another way that you could give your time is by committing to a mentor-mentee relationship where you could mentor somebody who isn't quite as spiritually mature as you are so that you can sow into their life and, and glean or give them wisdom to help them grow and be encouraged in their walk in Christ. But then you can also be a mentee and glean from the wisdom of somebody who's more spiritually mature than you are. That's another way that you could give your time ways that you could give your talents. Because remember, all your talents, all the things that you're good at, the things that you love to do, they are intentionally given to you from God. And he wants you to use them for him, to bring him honor and glory. So the ways that you can use your talents is you could join the dream team here at church. We've got the impact team, which consists of the greeters, the ushers, the prayer team, the coffee people, and the communion prep. We've got the kids church where you can work in the nursery, be a, a, a kids church leader or a teacher or a teacher helper. We have you know security or check-in that you could be a part of. And then we've got the worship team where you could be on tech or maybe sing or play an instrument, something like that. 
You know, another way you could give your talent is by participating in Labor of Love, which is our, our church's outreach program. And every month we do some sort of event to evangelize the community and to serve the community. And each month the, the events that we do are intentionally different so that we have, take the whole year to engage various different kinds of talents and interests and everything. So you can get involved in that. You can definitely give your talents outside of church and still honor God's kingdom too. You can give your talents in everyday life. Any way that you give your gift to further God's kingdom is giving, baking, playing music, singing at a nursing home, going to college to pursue a degree that you just love that topic of study in, that you can go out into the real world and you could be the light that somebody needs. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So finally, giving our resources. So this would be material things and our money. I want to start with our material things. This would be things like your old clothing or appliances or cars. You know, this would be doing more than just dropping it off at Goodwill so that you can get that tax break. <laughs> Intentionally giving these things will go a lot farther. And remember, the measure you use will be used on you for what you receive. And I'm not saying that giving to Goodwill is a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. I do it all the time. But there are times where God wants to use you to bless somebody beyond going through the Goodwill route. So just listen. And you know, my mother, I learned from her that when you're giving something, it's got to be your best. When you're giving something away, it better be something that is worth you receiving. Otherwise, don't give it, you know? Give something, give things that are nice. But now, besides our material things, I want to talk about money here, because this is, this is the hard part for some people to swallow. This includes your tithes and your offerings. And I want to spend just a little extra time here because this is so controversial. And this really should not stir any kind of resentment or discomfort or make you all amped up in a negative way. This should get you excited and amped up in a positive way. So tithe means 10%. And when God says to bring the tithes, he means that you're supposed to bring the first 10% of your earnings. And now there's, there is an age-old debate that is the 10% you know, part of your gross versus your net or whatever. We're not here to debate that. I encourage you to dig into God's word to see what he says, pray about it, talk to a spiritual mentor about this, and I'm confident that God is going to direct you on whether you should tithe off of your gross versus your net. But anyway... Um, the point is that tithe is 10%. So anything above that is considered offering. So this would be things like, you know, donations or giving to special events at church or something along those lines. And the thing is, when it comes to giving our money, do you know that this is the only time God says in his word to test him? And he's talking about bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse that we learned about in Malachi 3.10. So if he's actually telling you to test him, do it. He's not going to let you down. The floodgates of heaven are going to open. But remember, they might not open right away and they might not open in the way that you had hoped or expected. You might not get that Mercedes. You might not have a million dollars in your bank account. You might not ever get that mansion on this side of heaven. 
In fact, the enemy is going to try to convince you that your tithes and offerings, they're not working, or God's promise doesn't pertain to you, or that's not what his word really meant, or of course, he's gonna to try to convince you that you can't afford that. In fact, your bank account might try to convince you that you can't afford God's tithes. Your income to debt ratio might try to convince you that you can't afford God's tithes. But my God's word will prevail. His promise will stand true. Jehovah Jireh will provide. You have got to trust him. The word says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, even your finances. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. And that's in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. However, you've got to remember that God's ways and his thoughts are not your ways or your thoughts. We need to learn to look at God's blessings through his lens. And by, we do that by digging into his word and finding out what it actually says because our world, skews, our world skewed mind doesn't always comprehend that we are in fact walking in God's divine blessing because if we're honest, sometimes it just doesn't feel like we are. But remember, human feelings without the Spirit's guidance, they're fickle and they cannot be trusted. And so that's why we need to get into God's word so that we can learn to recognize the blessing. I want to challenge you this week to read this book by Jimmy Evans called 10 Steps Toward Christ especially chapter seven that talks about stewardship. This is an amazing book because Jimmy Evans, he's this world-renowned pastor and he's actually the one that leads our marriage conferences online that we do here at this church every year. But even he struggled with giving early on in his Christian walk. And in this book, he outlines his doubt and how his wife made him start giving, even when their bank account didn't add up and didn't seem like they were gonna be able to afford it. And then he goes on to describe how supernaturally he began reaping the benefits of his obedience. Although he started with baby steps, just giving $40 here and there every now and then. And when he finally took those steps, and he'll be honest with you, he would not call them steps of faith in the beginning. He would call them steps of reluctance and, and persuasion from his wife, not from the Holy Spirit. But once he started taking those steps, he started seeing how God moved and that grew his faith. And now his ministry reaches millions of people around the world. And he gives so much insight and so much wisdom into stewardship and how to unlock God's blessings from our giving. So, so read this book, I encourage you, because it's, it's a really good one, regardless of your spiritual maturity level. Because again, giving is not the church asking for or needing your money. It's about obedience to God and submitting every aspect of your life to him and recognizing that all things are from him and all things are to him. So remember, giving is another tool in your tool belt to get closer to God, to grow your faith, to show your love and obedience, to unlock more blessing and peace, prosperity, power, and breakthrough in your life. And test God in this because he's going to throw open the floodgates of heaven and give with a grateful heart, not under compulsion, not under guilt. And so in closing, I, I believe that God wants all of you, every crack, every crevice, all of your heart, your mind, your soul, all of your body, your finances. And I believe that, those, that there are those out there who 
haven't been giving and, and you might be offended right now and want to turn this off and never come back, I want to encourage you to get into God's word and see what he has to say. Pray about this. Seek his truth because I guarantee you're going to find what it means to give to God and you'll be back and you'll want more. You'll hunger for more. And I believe also that there's those listening who have been faithful in your giving and you could come and you could testify of God's faithfulness and his goodness when it comes to you being obedient in your giving. And I also believe that those who are out there listening who may have been faithful in giving their money but you haven't really thought about giving your time or your talents. Wherever your walk is with the Lord, there's always to be more to have of him, more ways to grow in your relationship with him, more ways to know him more and to get closer with him. So my challenge for you this week, aside from reading the 10 steps to Christ, is to give. Are you tithing? Great. Keep doing it. If you're not, start doing it. Are you giving your offerings? Great. Keep doing it, but if you're not, start doing it. Are you giving your time and your talents to others? If you are, great. If you're not, start doing it. And maybe you're not doing any of these things because you don't even know this God who gives all of these things. Every good and perfect gift that you have is from the Father. Maybe you don't know him, so I want to take just a minute to give you the opportunity to know this God, this Savior who is worthy of having all of you, who wants all of you, and in return, he's going to give you all himself. So let's pray this prayer with me right now. If you want to know the Savior, just pray, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to live for you. I want to experience this truth that will set me free. I confess now with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Lord. Surround me with your love and put people in my life who can help me along this new journey that we're starting together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. If you prayed that prayer, you are now part of an amazing, eternal spiritual family. I encourage you to reach out to us at the church on Facebook. Come visit us in person. Put that down in your comment section. We want to connect with you and come alongside you and be present in your life to help you on this journey and to get you resources in your hands so that you can start learning more about our amazing Savior. And so, hey guys, thank you so much for having me. I just pray that this has spoken to your heart and that you experience more and more breakthrough as you learn to be obedient in every aspect of your life and continue to give your heart, your soul, your mind, everything to Jesus because he paid it all for you. I'll see you next time and can't wait to have Pastor Tim with us next week. See you later.